Good evening, everyone. Once again, we're glad to be able to gather together tonight. Appreciate having Brother Brent with us this evening, once again, to break to us the Word of God. So, for those of you who might not know Brant, Brant Jameson from West Fulton Congregation, and uh, we're just glad that he is willing to open the Word of God to us. Trust that we'll also be prepared and ready to receive it. So without anything further, we might bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father God, we come to you tonight with many reasons to be thankful unto you, and we're just grateful for this privilege that you have given us to once again assemble together where we could open your word and to learn truths from it that you would have us to know. We just thank you for Brother Brandt who is willing to come and to share with us what you have instructed him. We just pray that you would uh, be mouth and wisdom to him tonight, that you might uh, present your word in its truth and its fullness, and that as listeners, we might have our hearts open and prepare to receive it. Father, we thank you for your love. We're grateful for your, your plan of salvation, willing to give your son Jesus so that we might have our sins forgiven and we could be reconciled unto you. Thank you for hope that you've given us because he is raised again. And as we have sung this evening, Father, that we just look forward to the time that we can see you face to face, to uh, be together with those that uh, love you. And Lord, just be with us this evening, direct us in all that is said or done. Forgive us when we fail. Just ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, here we are. We're actually ready to go tonight. So we're in, we're in much better uh, shape than we were last night. Uh, the sound guys decided that uh, they better wire me up as well because they have figured out by now that I don't stay put anywhere. <laughs> um, so just a quick update of what's happening at my house. Um, puppies, dogs, calves, kids... Uh, we got a call yesterday to possibly take a newborn baby out of the hospital uh, today. And so that was on my mind last night as I was presenting the message. Um, so uh, you guys can just be in prayer for um, us. As, uh, it always seems like Satan throws a whole bunch of extra stuff at us. Um, so every time I breathe out of my nose, it comes into this, so I've got to bend it down a little bit. There. Um, so just pray. Continue to pray for uh, us. Continue to pray for my wife and, and kids at home. I think that a couple more kids may be coming tonight or in the morning. Not exactly sure when that's happening. Um, I just talked to one of them, and he's like, I'm not sure. We're coming tonight or in the morning. So I'm like, well, tonight's whatever. You know 17-year-olds. Uh, <laughs> it's the way that it is. So anyway, um, tonight we're going to talk about Antichrist. And before we get into the message, I want to talk about Christ for just a moment. Because Christ is the reason that we don't have to worry about Antichrist, right? Because of the gospel message, because of the true Christ that came 2,000 years ago, who actually was, knew what he was doing, because he is our creator Christ as well. And so over 6,000 years ago, he knew what he was doing or what he would have to do 2,000 years ago by coming to the world to live as you and I, to understand us from a person perspective. 
and to be the sacrificial lamb that the old law tried to fulfill year after year after year after year. And he came and he satisfied that perfectly and he made a way, he rent the veil in twain, he made it open for you and I to be able to go into the very holy of holies, to stand before our holy God when we come in repentance and acceptance of him as our Lord and Savior. And when we have done that, we simply do not need to worry about Antichrist or all the Antichrists that are in the world. Just a word of warning. If you haven't accepted that very one, the very spotless lamb that took away the sins of the world, if you accept him, if you haven't accepted him yet, you have reason to worry. All right? It's just not a scare tactic. I'm just speaking the truth. All right? It is what it is. So, Antichrist. Who is Antichrist? What is Antichrist against the true Christ? So I want to look at uh, some, some definition. This is just the definition of uh, Antichrist. Um, I found it interesting in the definition itself. It said, in some Christian teachings. Like, what is, who's the Christ without a Christian teaching? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I was a little confused. Anyway, I just put it like, like the dictionary said. Uh, a personal opponent of Christ um, expected to appear before the end of the world. Um, and then it gives the, the little sentence that goes along with it. Or a, a person or force seen as opposing Christ or the Christian church. And then also a person or thing regarded as supremely evil or as a fundamental enemy or opponent. And I found this really interesting Look at the sentence on the last definition. I see the media as the Antichrist. Like, <laughs> I wonder, was it President Trump that <laughs> wrote that sentence? I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, but I found that, I found that kind of interesting. Um, the Antichrist has actually taken on a meaning more than uh, just a, the Christian meaning, you know? Um, that, that we think. Uh, I just put that thing up there in the corner. Uh, you guys can, can read it. I, I'm not going to go through it. I, I think that he's kind of, Rain Wilson has kind of lumped all Christians together, and we as Anabaptists uh, don't fit in all of those, or hardly any of the lumps that he's put us in. But I found it interesting that I think that that's, that's the way that a lot of the world sees Christianity. Um, that we're just kind of turning our Jesus into something that he's not. So I found this very interesting. And uh, over 200 years ago, this Scottish man um, penned this. Alexander Teitler. A democracy cannot exist as a permanent form of government. It can only exist until the voters discover that they can vote themselves regress from the public treasury. From that moment on, the majority always votes for the candidate promising the most uh, benefits from the public treasury, with the result that a democracy always collapses over a loose fiscal policy, always followed by a dictatorship. The average age of the world's greatest civilizations has been around 200 years. These nations have progressed through this sequence. From bondage to spiritual faith, from spiritual faith to great courage, from courage to liberty, from liberty to abundance, from abundance to selfishness, from selfishness to apathy, from apathy to dependence, from dependence back into bondage. Where would you place the United States on this little, uh, this little thing right here? I've, I thought it was interesting um, a while ago, and I thought, you know, the Roman, the Roman uh, government, they lasted way more than 200 years, didn't they? 
But if you go back and restudy Roman history, do you know how long each uh, section of Roman government lasted? About 200 years. And then they went through this cycle again. They somehow, the, the dictator would hold it all together, and then it would, this cycle would start back over. I thought it, I thought it was really, really interesting, um, this thing. Um, I, I think that one of the, one of the things about this, and, and the reason that I threw this in here, partly because of the, the flavor of the, the nation right now, but also um, because of this is what's going to bring Antichrist in at some point, in my belief, okay? And maybe I should disclaimer this again like I did last night. Anything and everything that I say uh, may or may not be true. <laughs> so, I mean, how do you like that for a preacher get just gets up and says, I don't know. But, but let's be honest, um, you know, especially when we're talking about things like Antichrist and things like uh, the Mark of the Beast, we simply don't know. But one of the things that I like to do, not all the time, but on occasion, is just make my mind work. Just make my mind think. Just make my mind think about some things that I simply don't know, but I want to know more about. And so I just study them and, and look into them and look at possibilities and look at hypotheses. And, and then I stand up here and say, I don't know, but let's think about this, right? Um, and, I, and I look at this and I look at how long the United States has been a nation. And I think, wow, we've outlived this, right? And I kind of also think that we're somewhere between the uh, selfishness and apathy and between dependent and on our way into dependence back into bondage. Okay? I, I see us moving rapidly to dependence. How many of you receive $1,200 per person and $500 per, per kid? I think most of us did, right? Wow. I mean, talk about starting to get dependence. I, that was a nice little check. I, I'm not going to lie. Well, Bonnie and I were like, man, we need more kids. <laughs> um, that's what we're working on, right? That's why we're having foster kids. No, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> you guys are, everybody's going to be like, oh, yeah, we see why they have foster kids. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just joking. But, um, no, really, I, I look at this and I think, in all honesty, the death of the United States, and the world does not revolve around the United States, but in a lot of cases or a lot of ways, a lot of, our minds. The United States has been the greatest nation that the world has ever known, and in a lot of ways that is true. Now, God may wipe the United States off the map, and he may wait another 100 years, 200 years, 1,000 years, I don't know, before he actually puts his plan into place. But as we look at this, as we look honestly at the bearing an a a uh, great revival in this nation. This nation is done. All right? The only hope for this nation is revival. And I'm not saying that revival is not going to happen. Okay? I mean, that would be such a terrible defeatist attitude if I just stood up here and said, revival's not going to happen, let's just prepare. Let's go be preppers. Everybody uh, dig a, a bunker, right? I mean, what a terrible thing to do. What are we supposed to be? Salt and light, right? But as we look at this and as we think about this, we think if the United States falls 
and everybody is in need, and everybody is dependent. And I understand that the, when the Romans fell, it could have been the same thing, all right, and, and various other people. But isn't that the opportunity that Antichrist will take to step onto the world scene? And I'm not saying it's when the United States falls. Please get me when I say this, all right? But it's a possibility. And like I said, I like to just think things through and think about possibilities and, and put them into a biblical perspective. So, biblical texts as far as Antichrist goes. First uh, John 2.18, um, John talks about children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, that Antichrist is coming. Now, it's interesting, he says, Antichrist is coming, and he says that as in an individual or a, a person or a being is coming, as in in the future. But then he goes on and he says, so now many antichrists have come. And it's interesting how John actually, actually speaks this. And he's saying, look, anybody who is against Christ is already an antichrist. Do we have antichrists in the world with us today? Absolutely we do, right? And John tells us this. But in some way, when I read this, I say John is also speaking of the one who is called Antichrist who is coming, all right? And I'm not saying that Antichrist is going to, like, that's what his title is going to be. I am the Antichrist, all right? That's not what I'm saying. But I think that we will understand who he is when he comes. <clears throat> um, these are a couple other places that talk about Antichrist. I just try to get the biblical texts of where uh, the Bible talks about Antichrist. Um, back in Daniel, obviously, he has, was a very, is a very prophetic book, and he speaks of Antichrist as well. Um, and, he, and he says this, Daniel says this, 7.25, He shall speak the words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and shall think to change the times in the law, and they shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. What we would probably say is three and a half years, okay? It's interesting, and I hadn't noticed this until uh, recently, but it says shall wear out the saints of the Most High and shall think to change the times and the law and they shall be given into his hand. This is, I think this was the ESV, okay, if you're wondering. Um, does that mean that the calendar gets reset? I'm just, I'm just asking. I, I don't know. He changes the time. And maybe I'm reading into it too much. But when was the calendar reset? Around the time of... All right. So we're in church, and if somebody asks a question and you don't know the answer, the answer is Jesus always, right? So around, around who was the, the calendar reset? Yeah, all right, all right. Yeah, give yourself a, a round of applause. No, um, no. you know, we look at this and we say, well, yeah, the calendar was reset around Jesus' time. And um, even in, even in uh, public school, I remember my school teacher saying, well, remember, B.C. is before Christ and, and A.D. is after death, which there's a disparity there, obviously, of 33 years of, of some way. But anyway, you know, I mean, that's, we look at that and we think, well, that's when the Gregorian calendar was reset, right? Is there a chance that possibly Antichrist is going to be so pompous that he's going to reset the calendar? I don't know. Just thought. Um, Daniel eleven thirty six 36 uh, through 12, 3. Um, we're going to just run out of time if we spend time reading through all of this. Uh, you guys can write this stuff in your notes and you can uh, um, read through it. 
We'll spend um, some time here in Matthew 24, though, because uh, this just talks more about Antichrist and, and uh, him and his life, okay? I didn't put it up here. I'll just read it um, out, of, out of my Bible. <clears throat> Matthew 24, uh, and we'll pick it up at verse 3. And this is after Jesus is talking about the destruction of the temple, okay? So there's the, the context that this was written in. And as he sat, Jesus sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And, shall, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Now, Interestingly, a lot of times we think that the disciples didn't understand that Jesus was going to die. They didn't understand that he was going to be raised three days from after he died. And they didn't understand all of this stuff. But yet, here they're, they're asking questions that would say, on some level, they knew something was, was changing. They knew that Jesus was leaving, and they're asking when he's going to return. All right? They didn't understand how the whole leaving business was happening. They didn't understand all of it. But yet, they thought there was, a, there was an unknown unknown that had turned into a, non, a known unknown, right? There was something that they knew that they should know more, but they didn't know what it was that they should know. And so they're asking, what is it, Lord? How do we know this? And Jesus answered, verse 4, and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. He just lays it out right at the very beginning. Don't be deceived. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Anybody, is anybody a news junkie in here besides me? I, I'm pretty terrible about trying to follow the news. Um, I mean, 2020 would pretty much wreck you if you were worried about the world, right? <laughs> I mean, there's been enough things happen, and we're not even talking about wars as in, like, guns shooting people, per se. We're just talking about invisible wars against something that we can't even see. I mean, who would have thought that the world would have come to its knees for some invisible thing. None of us would have. World War III is against a virus, almost, right? <clears throat> but the end is not yet, verse 7, that, and for nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famine, famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. Yeah, sounds about like 2020. I'm just... Just saying. And these are the beginnings of sorrows. Now, please, listen. I'm not saying that we're starting the end times. So I, I'm just saying that's what it sounds like. But we've also heard that's what it sounds like for 2,000 years, right? So. Then shall they dis deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the, the love of many shall wax cold. So Christians will lose their uh, fervor and their fire for God. Sound like anything? Verse 13, But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. The world has to be reached. Everyone has to hear. The world hasn't been reached totally yet. I'm not saying that it can't happen immediately. All right? But it hasn't happened yet. 
When ye shall, or when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. This abomination of desolation happened with Antiochus Epiphanes, and it happened with Titus at the wrecking of Jerusalem, and it's going to happen one more time, all right? Because Christ said, all right? Verse 16, Then let them which be in Judea flee unto the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye, that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath. Remember who Jesus is talking to here. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, these days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. And there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall shew great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they should deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before, Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chamber, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of of the Son of Man be. For wherever, wheresoever the, the carcass is, there will be eagles, there will the eagles be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of these days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light. <clears throat> and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the door. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of the day... And our knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. This is why we just keep reiterating the fact that we simply do not know. Many men have decided that it was a good idea to figure it out, right? Many men have done that. And so far, all of them have... All of them have <laughs> All of them have been wrong. And I think that God in his, in his omniscience knew when every man would uh, prophesy when the end was coming, and he automatically made it so that none of them got it right, right? Because he said, nobody knows. Um, and so we read through this, and, and we look, and we see some biblical texts as to what is going to take place, right? I want to turn now to uh, Second Thessalonians 
and read that section of scripture as well. Second Thessalonians one or Second Thessalonians two. One through twelve. <clears throat> now we beseech you, brethren, by the by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto Him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Now notice how Paul starts out here. Don't be shaken. Don't be worried. Don't be scared. All right? These things sort of could have a tendency to make us worried. I, I get that. All right? But Paul says, don't worry about it. Tomorrow has enough worries for tomorrow. Let's take care of today while it's still today, in essence. Verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Some people would say that that was the rapture, all right? The falling away is the rapture. I don't think that I fall into that camp, all right? I'm just... When you start getting into this, um, it's really easy to start preaching how a a timeline is as to how things happen. I want the the word to to speak for itself, and I'm not I'm not here to to argue or or discuss exactly how it it all takes place. The fact is, is I simply don't know, but I think that when it happens. Us as discerning Christians, if we're in the word, we'll simply be able to tell, oh yeah, that's how. Just like the disciples after the fact could go back and see what Jesus said and then say, oh yeah, that's what he meant. We had no idea. It was like looking into a glass darkly, but then face to face, right? Verse 4, who opposeth and exalteth himself above, this is speaking of Antichrist, who opposeth and exalteth, exalteth himself above all that is called God, and that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, shewing himself that he is God. Now remember, when Paul is writing this, he's saying someone is going to be sitting in the temple acting as if he is God, all right? So we have several things that actually have to happen before Antichrist, right? There has to be a temple for this man to sit in. I mean, that's the way that, that's the way that I read it, okay? Um, and I know that uh, there's plenty of, of studies and... and uh, information about the temple being ready to be built okay it's just when and in god's timing when that takes place verse five remember ye not that when i was yet with you i told you these things and now ye know what withholdeth that he might be be revealed in his time for the mystery of iniquity doth already work only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceiv- uh, deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they might, that they all might 
be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And in that is a great warning to know that you know the very one who is the Christ and not be deceived by the Antichrist who comes at a later date. Even though we have plenty of Antichrists now. Um, we read this section of scripture last night and uh, we will only go over a few verses of it tonight to not reiterate everything. <clears throat> we'll pick this up at verse 7. Revelation 13, verse 7. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all the dwelling upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus knew before he ever created anything that this was what it would take to save you and me. And if any man have an ear, let him hear. And he's, John is saying, if you have an ear, like, listen up, right? Verse 10, and he leadeth into captivity, he leadeth into captivity, and he, he that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And I beheld another beast coming out of the earth. Um, <clears throat> and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake like a dragon. Now, this is not speaking of Antichrist. This is actually speaking of uh, the um, false prophet uh, who had two horns like a lamb, and he spake like a dragon. And he exercises all the power of the first beast, who is the Antichrist. Uh, and the dragon is Satan himself. So put those into context. Before him and causeth the earth and them which dwelleth therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. This beast being Antichrist that had a wound that did live. Now, when we look at this and we think about this, who had the wound and did live? Jesus Christ, right? We know that. We know that 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to a cross and he hung and he willfully gave up his life. All right? Now, this is my opinion. All right? So, so take that for what it's worth. But when we look at Antichrist and we look at this man that gets this wound, this deadly wound, and is healed, it is my opinion that this man dies at this time it is also my opinion my opinion only that when this man raises from the dead it's not this man anymore that is inhabiting his body it is of my opinion that it is satan himself that is operating antichrist all right that's my opinion all right i'm not the reason that I say this is this. Satan does not have the power for someone to die and for him to resurrect them from the dead. Satan simply doesn't have the power of life. All right? He doesn't have power over life and death. He only has power over what God will give him. I'm not saying that that's the way that it is. God may raise him up just so he can uh, fulfill 
his prophecy. All right? But it's my opinion anyway that at that point, Satan is inhabiting the Antichrist, and that's who we are dealing with at that time. <clears throat> Some other texts, uh, old, old texts about this. Polycarp, back in uh, about 100 years after Christ, or a little after that, 150 years after Christ, warned the uh, Philippians that everyone that uh, preaches false, false doctrine is an antichrist. Polycarp, Polycarp is a follower of John, all right? Does this sound like First John? Yeah, it does. And John says, right now there are many antichrists, right? Polycarp is, is echoing that. Uh, Arrhenius, 200 years-ish after Christ, um, says that uh, the ten horns of Daniel 7 and the ten horns in Revelation 17, the little horn, which is the supplement, Supplant three of Rome's ten divisions is also the still future eighth in Revelation. If you go back and read through that, you'll you can understand what he's actually saying there. Um, but he but he's talking about the ten horns that is in in uh, Daniel uh, seven, and then he makes uh, an interesting thing that we still have with us today. How many of you believe that Antichrist is going to be Jewish? Has anybody thought about that? You think that Antichrist is possibly Jewish? Um, how, does, how does Antichrist get the Jews to follow him unless he's Jewish? Now, 200 years after Christ, we have this idea that pops onto the scene. And it, and it really came from Irenaeus. Um, I personally don't really think that Antichrist is Jewish. I think that probably the false prophet is Jewish, and that's how he gets the Jews to follow after. Uh, that's, once again, that's my opinion. Don't know. But this is where we get that Antichrist is possibly from the tribe of Dan, which is eliminated out of the book of Revelation, uh, if you don't remember that. Tertullian also talks about Antichrist um, some 200 years after Christ, <clears throat> uh, and he talks about... Uh, the fall of Rome, and once again, the Ten Kingdoms, and uh, then he goes on and, and he talks more about how uh, Antichrist will be revealed. And then Hippolytus, also a couple hundred years after Christ, um, carries on this idea that Antichrist is possibly out of the tribe of Dan. Um, once again, these are just early things. Uh, when we, when we think about Antichrist, um, I mean, we, we oftentimes, what we want, or what maybe what I should say is what I want, is I just want to know who, when, what, and where, you know? Let's just get to the nuts and bolts of it, and then we've just got it all figured out, and then we can just go, right? We don't have to worry about stuff anymore. But the fact is is there's been a lot of people at a lot of different times and a lot of different ages that have said, this is Antichrist, that is Antichrist. Last night we talked about the number 666, um, also being a 616, possibly in some of the early manuscripts as well. Uh, there have been a lot of men who have added up the numbers of 666 and said it was Nero. And uh, interestingly, if you spell Nero's name, the Roman uh, emperor Nero, if you spell his name one way, it is equal to 666 if you want it to be. If you spell it a different way in one of the early, like the, one of the early manuscripts, it does equal 616. So many times in prophecy, there are multiple answers to the prophecy, though. All right? And they weren't talking about Nero back then. There's been multiple people who have added up uh, William Jefferson Clinton to equal 666. I think we're probably past that, and we've decided that's probably not true. Most of us probably decided that wasn't true at the time. Um, I mean, there's still people adding people's names up, and I'm guessing that if you make your name right and spell it just right and and uh 
um, abbreviate things just right, you can make your own name equal 666. I'm just saying, all right? You want to get into conspiracy theories? There's plenty of those out there, all right? Maybe one of them's right, okay? Now, this is just for fun, so please, please, don't read into this. And you'll see as soon as maybe the, maybe the camera should not go up there. <laughs> you'll see um, what, I, what I mean here. Uh, now, when I, when I say this, I mean, you're welcome to, to show this. But when I say this, I want to talk about this for just a second. Any of you guys, any of you techies heard of Neuralink? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. What is it? One of, one of you two, or one of you guys. What is Neuralink? Listen up, everybody. <laughs> Just very brief. <laughs> okay, so Neuralink, and, and I kid you not, this is... This is directly, if you go to Neuralink.com, this is directly off of their homepage. Okay, I'm, I'm not, I'm legitimately not making this stuff up. You guys are all already like, this guy's a conspiracy theorist. Um, now, if you look, if you can read it, it says Elon Musk. I just, I'm just bringing that name up again, all right? We already talked about the Starlink satellites that are in the sky right now there's 480 i think i just looked it up last night 480 up there they send up 60 roughly 60 at a time there's going to be 12,000 of them you wonder if you're going to have good internet i think with 12,000 of those things floating around we'll probably be able to to connect anywhere in the world at any time so Neuralink is also a elon musk um company, along with SpaceX and uh, the Boring Company and uh, other things, um, and what it is, is to connect computers to humans' brains while you're still alive, to help you. I, legitimately, I'm not making this stuff up, all right? So... With as many as, I'll just skip down through here, with as many as 3,072 electrodes per array distributed among 96 threads, we have also built a neurosurgical robot capable of inserting six threads, or 192 electrodes per minute. Each thread can be individually inserted into the brain with micron precision for avoidance of, of surface vesculature and uh, targeting specific brain regions. A single USB-C cable, like what you plug your phone in to charge it, all right, <clears throat> provides full bandwidth data streaming from the device Recording from all channels simultaneously. How many of you guys want to sign up for this thing? Elon Musk, you have to remember, Elon Musk is, uh, I mean, he believes in evolution. And this is the, the next evolutionary step in the human condition. All right? Why would he not say computers can help people? We already have plenty of computers helping people, right? I mean, anybody here have a pacemaker? You get that thing checked, and it's always getting uplinked and making sure that the thing's working right, right? That's a computer helping you. Well, why not just plug it in? Uh, any of you guys seen The Matrix? I, I am in no way saying that Elon Musk is the Antichrist, okay? <laughs> Please don't go out of here and be like, that's who it is, <laughs> all right? 
because it could be him. I mean, it says, is he the, the lawless one? Is he the boaster, speaking of his own greatness? Is he the arrogant one? Is he the pathological liar? I won't even read anymore. Because it's not very respectful for me to speak of um, God's anointed that way. But this is the kind of stuff you see on Facebook. Or if somebody texts it to you. All right. <laughs> no, and, and I'm, just, I'm just talking about this because legitimately I've seen this in various places. People are like, well, it could be him. Maybe. But I don't think so. All right? How about this? How many of you guys have seen this on Facebook or somewhere? This is the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And it says Center for Global Human Population Reduction. Has anybody seen this on on Facebook or anywhere? Any of you guys? None of you have se actually seen it. Oh, you guys have seen it. Yeah, some of you guys have seen it. Yeah. So this is the actual sign. It doesn't have the Center for Global Human Population Reduction. All right. That was somebody's good idea to start a conspiracy theory, all right? Now, I do want to say, and by no means am I calling Bill Gates the Antichrist, all right? I'm, I'm not. But I do want to say something about this, and, and we'll wrap it up. Bill Gates, um, and, and I'll put this note in here, the people with the money will have the greatest influence. Right? They will save the needy. They will be the ones to save the needy. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has done great things for saving needy people. They really have. In the name of philanthropy. All right? Not in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of philanthropy. I think that he has the best of intentions, to be quite honest. So, clear back into the 1980s, uh, Bill Gates was working on, obviously, Microsoft, but he's also been very active in vaccines, all right? I don't know where you guys stand on vaccines. I'm not going to stand up here and have an argument about whether you should or shouldn't vaccinate. I'll tell you where we stand. We're vaccinators, and you can throw stones at us if you want to. We don't... We don't vaccinate on the schedule that uh, our pediatrician wants us to vaccinate on. In fact, they get kind of irritated that we take so long to vaccinate our kids, and we don't vaccinate our kids for everything. That's our stand, all right? I am okay with you if you vaccinate ahead of schedule. I'm okay with you if you don't vaccinate at all. Because guess what? We live in a free nation, and... Christ has given us wisdom to search it out for ourselves, and we should love our brothers and sisters in whatever decisions that they make. All right? So, vaccinations, that's one, one area that he's done a lot of things in. The, the Bill and Melinda Gates has done a lot of things in. And back in the 1980s, um, they started working on a different way to vaccinate people. And this way to vaccinate people is actually to, to, it's little needles that go into your hand, or into your skin, I should say. And, and it doesn't actually go, all, like a typically, typically a vaccination, you stick it clear in under the skin, and you insert the, the vaccine, right? Um, this way is actually it puts it into the skin itself, all right? And incidentally, there's been a lot of, in the cattle industry, if we could figure out how to vaccinate calves in their skin, you actually can use a lot less vaccine and you get a lot better results out of it if you only put it in the skin, all right? It just doesn't work very good because of hair, okay? But they've been working on this thing um, for, since the 80s, I think, um, and... Uh, um, another aspect of it 
is it can put dye into your skin. And so then when you walk through the airport security, just I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, the airport security can tell if you've had the, I'm just going to use COVID, the COVID vaccine or not, and let you through or not let you through, all right? I'm not saying that it's coming to a COVID vaccine whether you can fly or not. That's not what I'm saying, okay? I'm just using this as a vehicle or as an example to get to an end. So they've been working on this. Now, we don't need to look at him anymore. Um, would, did, has anybody heard of this? Okay. Do you know the name of it by chance? Okay, ID 2020. It is part of it. Do you know the, the name of the vehicle that actually puts the vaccine in? It is a tattoo thing. You guys are going to think that I'm absolutely crazy when I tell you. It's called luciferase. I, I'm not making this stuff up, people. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> it starts out like Luc lucifer, but if you put luciferase, and I think it's pH, the F is a pH in it. David knows that I'm not the best speller. Google will pull it up. But I, I'm just telling you, this is some stuff that we just need to watch out for. This is some stuff that just keep your eyes open. It's not something that we need to worry about. Antichrist is not somebody who's just going to jump on the scene and all of a sudden we're all just going to be swept away and, and he's going to be so charismatic that we have no hope of actually remaining true to Christ. We don't need to worry about that. Um, if you think about, I mean, if you think about it for a second, Antichrist, when he receives this deadly wound, it will be broadcast in real time in front of everybody, and we have the pretty close to the ability to do that right now, right? We pretty much, the world can pretty much see what is happening at any given point in any given moment. We do have some closed nations at the moment that really restrict what their people can see. And I think some of the, those restrictions are going to have to come down for Antichrist to, to, to come onto the scene. But let's face it, if we're still here, isn't it going to be fairly obvious that our Christ died 2,000 years ago and that this is a fake when he raises him up from, himself up from the dead? I mean, don't be worried about it. Don't be scared. This is, this is stuff that we need to think it through, though, ahead of time. Because if we just all of a sudden find ourselves in that moment, it's going to be scary. We're going to be worried. And I'm not saying that I don't worry about it and it's, oh, whatever, you know. Yeah, it, it is in the back of my mind. But yet, God knows when a sparrow falls. God knows how many hairs are on my head. And God has promised me, and he's promised you, that he will take care of us in the way that he sees fit. All right? It's easy for me to say this when there are martyrs being killed at this very, very instant. Right? It, that's easy for us to say. But yet, maybe, just maybe, just put this in the back of your mind, maybe that's what God sees as best for you or for me. Think it through and be okay with it because it's called trust and faith. And if our trust and our faith is in a man who lived 2,000 years ago, we simply do not have to worry about today. We don't have to worry about tomorrow. All we have to worry about is worshiping and praising an almighty God who is benevolent, who is loving, who is caring, who will take care of us and promises us a hope and a future.
and a home in heaven. And that's where our hope is. It's not in worrying, it's in him. Uh, Brian, would you just go ahead? <laughs> I just get long-winded. You want to just go ahead and lead us in prayer, please? Let's kneel uh, this evening in prayer. 